my gosh. Did she make it out okay? What happened to her? So the last intern here noticed the same things as me, but when she tried to leave, I don't even know. But after hearing her put it into words, I realized that the same thing has been happening now. When I arrived here, things were not advanced, but they were definitely up to date. And now I look outside and I see horse-drawn carriages pass by. Why didn't I notice this before? I hear a caw and see a hairball fall through my chimney. My kitten-lizard hybrid is letting me know that it is morning. I pour myself some orange juice before changing and heading to the office. I can't deal with this right now. As I sit at my desk, typing away at my worn keys, I can't help but notice the changes that have come since I came here. If I thought that people dressed weird before, I don't even know now. It's like we went back into the 50s. You know, not that I'm complaining, but the women are now sporting T-length skirts and the men tucked in button-ups and suspenders. Except, of course, Mayor Tetra Burns, Sheriff Orion Fairbrook, and my boss, Xavier Moss. I don't think they'll ever wear anything normal. It's not just the clothing that has changed. I'm using a typewriter. I don't think I need to say more. I spend the day absentmindedly typing away until it's time for lunch. I need to get away from this place. As I'm walking away from the brick prison of my mind, I pause and turn back. I head to the back of the building and climb the ladder to the roof. Chrome is sitting by the edge with a brown paper bag, a purple egg salad sandwich in hand. Taryn, he says. Hi, Chrome, I say. The two of us sit on the roof and listen to the birds and cats chirping lightly as we munch on our sandwiches. Hey, Chrome, can I ask you something? He nods and turns to me. How did you find this place? I mean, it's beautiful. I never think you'd want to hang out up here. Well, thanks, Taryn, he says sarcastically, turning back to the seagull and mouse fighting for a piece of satsuma on the ground. I don't know. I've just always known about it. Like, it's a part of me. So, no one introduced you to it? Chrome shakes his head, and I stare off into the sky. He doesn't remember her. I'm still in this state of shock well into the evening as I'm sitting in Dottie's picking away at my plate of cake. I hear a chair squeaking over beside me and I turn my head to see Xavier resting his head on his hands, looking at me intently. Yes, I say. Xavier sniffs before smiling, revealing all his teeth. Taryn, you seem to be distressed. Distressed? How so? I mean, you've hardly touched your cake. He gestures to the almost full slice of velvety brown cake with satiny white frosting resting undisturbed on my plate. I push my plate to the side and rest my chin on my fist, mimicking his pose. You want to talk about different behavior, Xavier? He smiles at me. That rhymed, he muses. You have been here for over an hour and still haven't been kicked out. You're right. I should try harder. He straightens out and waves his hands, calling over to Dottie. Dottie comes over to his seat and crosses her arms. Xavier attempts to get her chocolate cake recipe by, get this, simply asking her for it. Dottie stares at him unflinchingly before saying nothing and simply pointing to the door. Xavier shrugs as if to say, well, I tried, and heads out. He'll be back tomorrow. Dottie picks up his discarded mug and walks over to me. You all right, hun? She asks. I nod. 
Dottie smiles at me over the counter before pushing a lock of her newly ombre brown hair escaped from her brown tie bandana behind her ear. I sit there for some more time before I feel someone's presence behind me. I turn to see the leader of the Lemonade Gang, Lena, sitting beside me. Taryn, she says. I nod in acknowledgement. Are you ready? She asks. I'm ready for what? For your departure, of course. I turn to face her. My departure? She nods solemnly. Taryn, we both know you can't stay here. If you stay here, you will not survive the turn back. Yeah, see, you keep saying that, but you never actually explain what you mean or how you know. Lena, their leader, tilts her head. I have lived and grown in this town, which is more than any adult here can say. She clasps her hands together. I have seen this world change, slowly and quickly. I have seen the people here stay the same while I have grown. So do not tell me that I don't know the extent of this. I'm just trying to protect you, Taryn. I close my eyes and take a deep breath. Do you know April May? I ask. Lena, their leader, looks shocked to hear that name. She was like you. Stubborn, inquisitive, but more malleable than you. Lena, their leader, pulls my plate of cake over to her and raises her eyebrows. I shrug. I wasn't going to eat it. She accepted things as they came. She didn't question it when things moved oddly. She was too much like the people here. But when she realized how things were, it was too late. She never made it past the tree line. We sit there in silence for a while before I pull out a bill and place the money on the table. I'm sorry. I stay standing up. I can't leave now. And with that, I walk out the door, leaving Lena, their leader, munching on her cake. The next morning after waking up, I pull open the curtains and freeze. The sky is not blue, red, orange, or any color of a sunrise. It's a deep, rich purple. And the sun rose an hour ago. I get dressed, plop the press hat on my head, and head down to Circle Square. When I arrive, it's in chaos. The people are all gathered, yelling and panicking. Sheriff Orion Fairbrook and Mayor Tetra Burns are standing on a wooden platform trying to calm the crowds. My people, the sheriff shouts, do not be alarmed. We have this completely under control. Don't listen to him. Mayor Tetra Burns pushes him off the platform. I have this completely under control. She pauses, looking at the crowd. We have decided to have a festival, a festival of the purple sky. She throws her hands into the air. The crowd is silent until they all cheer. Nothing this town loves more than a good festival. As the citizens filter out to start up the events for the festival, I make my way down Main Street to 11th Hour. As I stand in front of the dark wood building, I look up to the large circular window on the second floor. It must have been the face when this was a clock tower. I walk through the door, tricking the doorbell to jingle. The room is eerily quiet. The ticking of a hundred of clocks is now limited to one. Mr. Higgins? Oleg Higgins is sitting on the floor against the counter with his head in his hands. Mr. Higgins, I say again. I approach him slowly. It's all my fault, Taryn. What? I am the last timekeeper of this town, and I let this happen. It was my duty, my honor, to guard the town in its flow of time, and now it's too late. Or rather, 
Too early. What's too early? The turn back, Taryn! He gets up quickly. It wasn't supposed to happen this quickly. I fear that the next time it happens, it will tear the town apart. I thought the town could handle it. Oleg shakes his head nervously. Not this quickly. Not after six months. Taryn, you must leave as soon as possible. The crystal's power may protect the town, but it will destroy you. This is the same thing he and Lena, their leader, have been telling me for weeks. I try to calm him down to no avail and head out. Circle Square is now decorated with purple lights and streamers. The Festival of the Purple Sky is well underway. As I take notes on the celebration, Mayor Tetra Burns climbs to her podium and taps the microphone, sending a wave of static across the crowd. I just wanted to say that geese are freaky. Like, where are your hands, and why do you have seven eyes? The crowd nods and cheers along. Also, I was thinking to celebrate this occasion, we would open the time capsule early. We will open it tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. She doesn't mention that we are, in fact, on Atlantic Standard Time. Tetra then holds up a large golden gilded box and a shiver runs down my spine as the feeling of something dangerous runs through me. I've never felt anything like that before. It feels powerful, like the wave of energy is pulsing through each and every atom in my body, starting at the tips of my toes and ending at the end of each strand of hair. Maybe Oleg and Lena, their leader, aren't wrong. Maybe I should leave before she opens the box. Hi, this is AJ Robinson, creator of Chronicles of Springshard and the voice of Taryn March. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked it and want to know when the next episode is up, Feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Springshard Chronicle for weekly updates and teasers. Episode 11 will be up on May 31st. Be sure to give it a listen as it will be the final episode of the season before an indefinite hiatus. If you liked this episode and would like to listen to it even when you don't have Wi-Fi, it is available for download on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. If you want to listen while looking at a picture of the super cool cover art, you can also listen on YouTube. Check our social media for more information. The awesome music you are listening to right now is by Chaos Emerald on YouTube. Go check out her channel once this episode is done. In fact, if you're listening on YouTube, I'll even give you a link in the description below. You can also check out her Instagram and Twitter at Emma Joyce Y. Special thanks to Jess Milton, Derek Taggart, and to you listening right now. See you at the festival.